Hello and welcome back to Rupture Radio, a weekly look at news, politics and culture from a socialist perspective. In the last week in England, Liz Truss has been booted out as Prime Minister, the Tories have gone into meltdown and workers are escalating their fight for wage increases and action on the cost of living crisis. We wanted to hear more about what is going on in England, in particular the different movements on the ground. So together with others, we jointly organised an international meeting with English socialist Dave Hill over the weekend just gone and he kindly agreed to allow us to podcast his talk on the night. Dave is a revolutionary socialist. He's not affiliated with Roy's. He's actually a member of anti-capitalist resistance, as well as the Labour Left Alliance in Brighton and Hove. And he has a lot of experience. He was active in the Labour Party in the 1980s and again involved in Labour in the course of the Corbyn movement. He speaks from his own perspectives and his own opinions about events in particular in England and the challenges facing the left there today. Uh, I first met Dave over a decade ago when he was guest lecturing in University in Limerick and I've always found him a very interesting and passionate person to discuss and debate with. And I hope you enjoy his energy as much as I did. Without further ado, I'll hand you over to Dave. Um, I've been involved in left politics since I was uh, 16 years old. In all my life, I've never seen, in all my political life, I've never seen events like this. There is a word in English. Um, it's, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to swear in this program, but there is a word, clusterfuck. And it just means when everything goes wrong, when everything collapses and there's complete chaos. Well, a lot of the British press are not using the word clusterfuck. They're using the word trustafuck about the uh, about the late lamented uh, Conservative Prime Minister. And every day we wake up and we're turning on the, the news to see who's the latest Home Secretary, Minister of the Interior, who's the latest Prime Minister, who's the latest. So we have not seen such times as this. And that has many dimensions. And our task is what I want to talk about, what I want to end up by talking about. Our task as revolutionary, anti-capitalist socialists who want to replace capitalism by democratic socialism and Marxism. So I want to ask three questions. The first question is, and I think it's a pretty, pretty useful questions. First question is, where are we now? Where are we now? Second question, where do we want to get to? And the third question is, how do we get there? Pretty important questions. Where are we now? Where do we want to get to? How do we? Where are we now? In summary, and I'll give some detail, but in summary, we are seeing an intensification of class conflict, an increase in class awareness, an increase in awareness of what Gramsci called uh, the monsters. I mean, Gramsci's got a wonderful quote. Um, the crisis, this current crisis, consists precisely in the fact that the old is dying and the new cannot be born. In this interregnum, a great variety of morbid symptoms appear. I mean, you could talk about uh, Boris Johnson as a morbid symptom. The old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. And what monsters? Recently, we've had um, the scenes of the Conservative hopefuls to become the next Prime Minister. Um, Elizabeth Liz Truss won it. What a collection of grotesque 
upper-class, self-entitled, anti-working class, vicious representatives of their class and of capital. I, in the States, I think a famous book is by Ayn Rand, R-A-N-D, Ayn Rand. Um, I looked at her work and I always thought that she was, it was, uh, what was it called? Atlas Unchained or Atlas Unhinged or something. Atlas Unchained, I think. And I looked at that and I thought, this is economic Nazism. This is confining people to what Engels called social murder. The deliberate, the, the perfectly, the ruling class perfectly happy to see the die, uh, the, the, the poor and the workers die as soon as they've outlived their working life. And so we live in such a time of monsters. Uh, there's a couple of other important developments, and the ruling class is frightened of this in different countries. It's, it's not just Britain, of course. I mean, there's massive movements in France um, and, and in many countries around the world. Um, but the ruling class is frightened of what they call social explosion. And we have to be there, comrades. We have to be there. And at the end of in the final third, how do we get there? I want to suggest, and there'll be wide agreement and wide disagreement about how we get there. The other aspect, or two other aspects, um, in technical terms, the rate, the, uh, the rate of exploitation of the working class is increasing. There's been intensification of the extraction of surplus value from the labour power of workers. In other words, people are work, having to work harder to uh, to live, to heat their homes, and to eat. And now, in this current crisis, and it won't get better under this under 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 capitalism under this current crisis, then. People cannot afford, there are millions who cannot afford to heat and eat. And I'll just tell you, I'm only going to tell you one anecdote. But there's a story. Um, about, this is a story about poverty. And I grew up in poverty. I, um, I've had a decent living, very, very good living as a, uh, as a, uh, activist, a trade union representative, political representative, uh, lecturer, professor, et cetera. I've had a, a good life, but I was born. And poor family, and I grew up. I know what I know what poverty is like, but not the poverty that the poor in Britain are now facing. And some there was a kid at school, and teachers noticed that every day he was taking a few sachets of tomato ketchup, you know, red tomato sauce. Every day he was taking a few sachets from the school dinners. He was on free school meals. Not enough kids are. And one of the teachers said, um, well, why are you taking those sachets home? He said, it's so we can have tomato soup at night, me and my brothers. And that's poverty. That's poverty. And growing up in the 60s, 50s and 60s and 70s, as I did, I thought we'd never see those days come back. So that's, that's part of the context. Um, I mentioned Ayn Rand and, of course, um, I say, of course, but uh, Liz Truss wrote a similar book, co-wrote a similar book called Britannia Unchained. And we saw the results. Britannia Unchained, extreme small state uh, neoliberalism. And we saw the effect on the markets. Um, the, the bigger context within British, uh, British capitalism is that British capitalism is in more of a crisis than m many other capitalisms. 
I mean, Britain had an empire between Elizabeth I and Elizabeth II. The empire's gone. Uh, Britain has left. Uh, Britain has left Europe. Uh, that's a whole other debate, um, uh, which uh, might might arise during the discussion. Um, but currently, Britain is a small island off the coast of Northwest Europe, cut adrift with one of the lowest productivities globally. What we saw was, I think, uh, one of my comrades in England used a lovely phrase, soft coup. It's a soft coup by finance capital. The uh, the destruction of the, uh, of not destruction, but the, uh, the damage inflicted on the ability of Britain to borrow money and raise, raise money. Um, now, I've just got something else on my, uh, yeah, something popped up on my screen. Internationally and nationally, we're also seeing what Althusser described as the ideological, the intensification of the ideological and um, repressive state apparatuses. Now, I haven't got time, but we in all of our countries can give examples of the way the state is preparing for, for possibly a violent class war the way they are passing laws in England, restricting the right to protest, restricting trade union rights, making it almost impossible to go on strike. Um, just one, there's been a recent law passed uh, in April or June this year. Um, do you know, in England, under the new law, it is illegal to have a protest, march, demonstration, even of one person, if... The police consider it, wait for it, too noisy. What the hell is the point of a demonstration? Or if it convenient, inconveniences, etc. So the, uh, the the repressive state apparatuses are being geared up far more. They've always been there, of course. The law, the anti-working class laws, um, always been there. But um, in many, many countries, we're seeing the ratcheting up the preparation by the ruling class for a much more violent class war. I want to look at um, I want to look at left forces in Britain, and by left forces, um, I don't include the Labour Party. Now, look, I was in the Labour Party. I joined it on my sixteenth birthday. Um, I was in it, I fought numerous elections in it for Parliament, I became leader of a local group, leader of councillors on a, on a county council, etc. I've got a history, a long history in the Labour Party um, uh, for the last 40 years as a revolutionary Marxist. Um, but it's changed. It has changed irrevocably. And some comrades, there is a debate on the English Marxist left um, I'm with comrades like Roger Silverman and Richard Brenner and Nick um, Nick Rack. Um, there's no hope. There is now no hope of rescuing, from a left-wing perspective, the Labour Party. Yeah, sure, there have been expulsions in the past. I remember when people were expelled, actually, when I was a boy um, in the 50s. I remember when Militant was expelled in the 80s. But this set of expulsions, this set of gripping the Labour Party, gripping it so that it is safe for capitalism, this process has gone far further 
And I'll just give you one example. Um, in 1918, the Labour Party adopted the, the famous Clause 4 to secure by workers of hand and by brain the full fruits of their labour and the distribution thereof. A socialist, a socialist clause. When I was a teenager, Hugh Gates, called Labour leader, tried to get rid of that. He was crushed by the rank-and-file rebellion in the Labour Party, got nowhere. 1994, speed forward to Blair, he got rid of Clause 4 with very little problem within his first weeks of office to make the Labour Party. And Blair, and not Blair, and, and Starmer has gone so much further. My God, me and my comrades, who some still in the Labour Party, some still think it is a good idea to stay in the Labour Party. And, of course, we make links with them and we work with them. But we looked at the recent Labour Party conference, Keir Starmer wrapping himself in the Union Jack, singing the national anthem. I've been to about 15 different Labour Party conferences. These, these are completely new. And uh, you, you no doubt read about these things, the expulsions on false grounds of anti-Semitism of, uh, of, of many, many, many uh, comrades, including many of my personal friends, people I've worked with for, for decades. Um, the right-wing grip on the Labour Party is, is stronger than it has ever been. So that's, um, that's Labour. Um, look at the way Labour, but the capitalist class and the right wing of the Labour Party got rid of Jeremy Corbyn, who was not even a Marxist, not even close to it. Jeremy Corbyn it was a classic left social democrat, classic left social democrat. Very good, very, very good policies. And we Marxists, as was as Marx uh, approved, as Lenin approved, as Trotsky approved, of course, and Gramsci approved, of course, we support reforms. But unlike Corbyn and unlike Bernie Sanders, we don't just want regulation capitalism to make capitalism work a bit more nicely. We want to replace it. And there's no hope of that now inside the Labour Party. Right. Now let me go over um, some of the other left groups in, in Britain today, because there, there's been, as I, as I mentioned, a, a huge rise in working class action and working class consciousness. And of course, for Marx and Marxists, that's the first duty of, um, of, uh, of Marxists to, uh, to raise class consciousness, to get people to see through the, the capitalist lies. Right. Okay. So um, I'm going to mention in about 30 seconds each, about 10, 10 different groups. The biggest one, of course, is the, is the trade unions. Massive strike action, bigger strike action than we have seen since the smashing of the uh, miners in 1984 to 5. The deliberate smashing, brutal smashing, I mean physically brutal smashing of the miners' strike um, in 1984 5. Um, but now we've got the, uh, the railway workers, the postal workers, and the nurses are balloting, the teachers are balloting for strike action. I voted for strike action for um, the University Lecturers Union, um, and it's likely to get uh, very, very large and effective support. Um, so there, there is massive, not massive, large and growing strike action. 
not a general strike. These are individual, uncoordinated strikes for the most part. So we can't trust the TUC and the trade union leadership. I mean, if we look at the TUC 1926 general strike, the 1970s strikes of the miners, the 1984 five strike, they never called a general strike. Or in 1926, they called it off after nine days. The way forward, I think, and uh, Nick Rack mentioned this, he's a lawyer. Recently, the lawyers, the barristers had, junior barristers, had an indefinite strike. Indefinite. So what happened? They were successful. They got a 15% pay rise. Right, okay, so that's trade unions and strike action. Okay, enough is enough. Um, Okay, very quickly, 700,000 people have signed up to it. We've had big rallies um, uh, all over the country. The trouble is it's a top-down organisation. No local democracy, although some um, groups, such as in Leicester, um, have uh, have set up their own local groups organising um, various organisations. The second one, Don't Pay UK. Well, I'm an active member of this as well, and it's it's brilliant in some ways. It's direct action. It's telling people, or threatening direction, action, direct action, telling people, advising people, don't pay the gas and electric bills, which are doubling, trebling. Don't pay it. And uh, I'm one of those who haven't paid. Um, it's good. It's had uh, many stunts and demonstrations. Um, I've got huge criticisms of it. It's uh, pretty much led by anarchists who are pretty hostile to um, organised working class um, organisations. Um, they're leaderlessness and their their single aim um, has its strengths, the single aim, but the leaderlessness and the single aim are deficient. They're not enough. They're certainly not a Marxist programme. They're not even a set of demands, just one demand. Okay, there's other things which uh, people might want to mention or ask me about or complain about or praise. Um, People's Assembly, Jeremy Corbyn's Peace and Justice campaign, which is pretty much sunk like a trace. Um, he could have he could have formed a left easily, snapped his fingers, 200 and odd thousand people would have joined uh, a Jeremy Corbyn-led party. Um, left Social Democrat, not Marxist, but even so. I'm not going to talk about the various spaghetti soup of, um, of Marxist groups and sects uh, in Britain. I've been involved with many of them over over a long time and works very harmoniously and comradely. I share Rash's comments about we we are not into bureaucratic, um, dogmatic um, centralism of some of the sects. Um, it's actually the reason I joined the Fourth International because it's the only Trotskyist group that uh, that um, uh, seeks to um, propose, uh, motivate, uh, welcome um, minority viewpoints, and I'm a member of the tendency for a revolutionary international uh, within the fourth international, which is the left wing. The right wing is pretty much reformist in my view. Uh, Okay. What I haven't mentioned is groups. What I haven't mentioned is groups which have had huge demonstrations, Extinction Rebellion um, and Black Lives Matter, massive, full of young people, 
full of kids, school kids, students, young people. Um, and of course, we have to we have to work. We have to work to get comrades or, or to uh, develop political and class consciousness amongst those groups. Easier said than done. Of course, it is easier said than done. Um, and finally, I want to mention the. Um, there, there are, of course, thousands of local community groups, tenants associations, um, uh, feed the poor, um, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, of those local community groups. And in my in my ending up, where I think say what I think should be done, in my ending up, and um, talk about the need for. Um, and this is the view also of the Socialist Labour Network, which I'm, uh, I am fully support in Britain. Socialist Labour Network, which talks about the necessity of a new workers' party and movement, which is Marxist, which is undeniably Marxist, but which works with other organisations and groups without collapsing into them. In other words, keeping our own program, our own understandings, our own membership, et cetera, et cetera. And there are questions about how to organise, which I've written on. Anybody's interested? Dave Hill, Antasia, A-N-T-A-R-S-Y-A. I've written about what the my experiences and the comrades in Greece, who I think have got... Uh, uh, got it right about organising the different socialist groups, but of course, it's important to go beyond the different socialist groups into the wider working class movement without losing the Marxist analysis and perspective and perspectives. Okay, well, question number two, I'm going to deal with in about one minute. Where do we want to get to? Well, I want to get to the same place as Russia. And I've read Rise in, in Ireland. I've read Democratic Socialists of America. I am aware of the program of Octe Spartacus, which is my party. I'm a member of it um, in Greece, Octe Spartacus, Greek section of the Fourth International. And yes, we don't just want reforms. We want to get rid of capitalism, overthrow capitalism, and we want a Marxist, uh, a Marxist economy, uh, society, um, not the not the old bureaucratic monolithic um, dictation from above model, um, but a model um, you could say um, from below. Um, aspects of workers' control. I'm not going to go into. Do we want a minimalist policy? Of course, we don't. That's pure reformism. Do we want a maximalist policy, or do we want a transitional program? And as a Trotskyist, I think there's a lot to be said for the transitional program, a program of demands which people largely support. And yet the capitalist class is not able to give those give in to those demands. And that's a transitional program. Um, OK, so how do we get there? Well, not in the Labour Party. Not in the sects, the little grouplets, valuable though many of their comrades, most of their comrades are, are not in leaderless single issue campaigns. So I'm going to talk about um, strategy. Okay, first of all, policy and leadership. Secondly, organisation. 
thirdly, arenas of activism. How long have I got left, Russia? Seven minutes. Did you say 17? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, right. What is to be done by revolutionary anti-capitalist Marxists? And our task is to work for a revolutionary anti-capitalist understanding and leadership, maintaining our own organisation, our own analysis, our own prog- program, and although this is uh, this is uh, has some flexibility, not in a reformist direction, also uh, Marx's policy. Uh, we cannot say that detailed policy. We, we we cannot set a precondition or an entry ticker for uh, our list of our list of policies. So who do we work with? First of all, all the Marxist uh, and socialist groups, although not the Zionist ones. Secondly, we work as of course everybody probably at this meeting. Everybody has done this. Worked within mass movements and 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 such as uh, and, and trade unions. Without, and I repeat this for about the third time, without collapsing into them, without collapsing into and losing our identity, losing our our prospectus, losing our perspectives within a democratic, social democratic or Labour Party, or within broad parties of the left, like Mélenchon's France Insoumise or Podemos or Die Linke or Syriza, without losing our identity, mustn't go into those. And uh, also, I've had quite a few recent experiences with anarchists within the Don't Pay UK, which has got its strengths and advantages in mobilising people, but huge disadvantages. They want to see policy develop organically. Well, I want to see policies develop organically in a Marxist direction. They don't. And they, yeah, okay. And also we, we're not into purely the top down, the tops we call them in England. don't know if that's what you call them in other countries. Trade union leaders, the leaders of the TUC, calling a, a, a one-day demonstration. And that's it for another six months. Not enough. So that's policy and leadership. Um, the next bit is organisation. To build, what do we want? What do we want? We want to build a socialist working class party from the various left political groups, from the couple of hundred thousand socialists like me who left the Labour Party. And also Marxists work with Marxists in trade unions, et cetera, et cetera, and in the, in, in the mass organisations. But it's not easy, is it? I mean, all of us who have tried to do this work um, it's not easy. People don't flock to you. Except, except at certain times in history. And Richard Brenner has pointed out that in 1917, what started off as a demonstration developed into a general strike, developed into a revolutionary armed overthrow of the capitalist class. You never know, and you have to, or we, have to be prepared. I can give lots of examples of that from my own from my own history. Okay, so that's organization. And the strategy, 
Um, strategy is about um, the strategy about where, where to be active. Okay, so three minutes. Direct, three minutes. Hey, hey, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> uh, okay, strategy: direct action, electoralism, and local councils of action. Right, direct action. Um, recently, I was in Greece, involved in an occupation which was uh, pretty successful. We don't do enough of it in England. I think we should occupy all the energy party, all the energy company headquarters, etc. Um, it's not much used in England. Uh, four of you, forget it. Four hundred of you, that's better. Electoralism. Well, the Bolsheviks stood for election. Um, uh, we're not going to get what we want by elections through the bourgeois parliamentary system. They'll crucify any any Marxist, let alone uh, any social left social democratic, let alone Marxist policy. But it's very useful for publicity, for using parliament and councils as a as a, as a megaphone. And the third, and I think I better end up on this, um, except for a final rallying call. Um, the third area, and this is. This is what's new. Um, it's local. Well, it's not new at all. Local councils of action, coalitions against the cuts, coordinated working class action at a local level. And we got lots of experience in Britain. In Brighton, my city, a decade ago, we had 50 organisations involved in a campaign against the cuts. Uh, there's, there's groups up and down the country. Huge history of this. Minor support groups in the uh, mid eighties, um, anti poll tax union groups up and down the country, local groups feeding into a national organisation, and so my particular, and of course there's the movement of the squares in Greece, there's Soviets in in Russia, um, the Socialist Labour Network. We call for action councils. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But it might happen in four weeks' time when the bills start coming through the letterboxes and the emails. Calls for action councils in every town and city and borough, bringing together hundreds of thousands, aligned with Don't Pay UK, Enough is Enough, and all the other groups that I've mentioned. Right, okay, well, uh, the end, conclusion. There's a world to win, comrades. There's a world to win and there's a world to lose. Currently in Britain, if you are poor, you die 10 years earlier than if you are rich. You have 19 years less healthy life. We are seeing social murder. We are seeing naked capitalism. I think we have to go for naked Marxism. Thank you. Bit of makeup, your last coat button falls away, flowing through life another day. 